you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app and answer a few questions. With Angie, you can book instantly at an upfront price or request and compare quotes from multiple pros so you can find the best price for your project. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 851. This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate, which is a monthly subscription box service for epic gear and gaming items and pop culture stuff. Uh, it's less than 20 bucks a month. You're going to get six to eight items. This is licensed gear. It's apparel. It's collectibles. It's, they're essentially unique, one-of-a-kind items that if you listen to this podcast, you pr- are probably in your wheelhouse. I'm just going to go on a limb and say that. Loot Crate is like a friend who knows what you love and then surprises you because you forget once you just kind of put it on subscribe and it just runs in the background of your life. And then it's like, oh, I got the box. Oh, that's right. It it will legitimately brighten a shitty day. Will be turned around like that because you get this loot crate box full of stuff for yourself to play with. So you have until the nineteenth at nine p.m. Pacific each month to subscribe, uh, and then when the cutoff happens, that is it. Uh, it's over, and you have to you get the next month. Then you can subscribe to the next month. But make sure to head to lootcrate.com/slash/nerdus. Enter the code nerdus for ten percent off any new subscription. Uh, whether you're in the United States, Canada, Australia, the UK, there's more info on their site. So uh, thanks so much, to Loot Crate, for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Uh, I have something for the Nerdist Community Corkboard. Yeah. Next week. What's the date today, Katie? Today the is sixth. the sixth. So the week of February thirteenth at midnight. Live every night. Every night. Live. That's terrifying. But 13, 14, 15, 16th. I know. Well, you know, initially we pitched the show. We wanted to do the show live initially. Yeah. So we're like, what a great live at midnight. Anything can happen. I'm glad we didn't because, it, it, you know, we got 500 plus episodes to like really understand how the show works. But what our election special was live and it was really, uh, it, it went really great. And uh, and so I, it, we talked to Comedy Central and they said, well, you can do live whenever you want. So, we're That's gonna awesome. we're gonna go do live for for this for this week and just see what it's like, see how it feels. So it will be there will be stuff that we'll be incorporating people as it ha- as the show is happening. We'll be incorporating stuff from social media as it's happening, and people can play along. Oh, people are gonna love that. I hope so. That's gonna be cool. I hope so. When on on election night, we did a thing where yeah, uh, we, there was like an electoral points where uh, people could you know put yeah. a hashtag and then if you know they could essentially vote for whichever comic they wanted to then they got more points based on that so we're gonna just be incorporating and in, you know there's no other fucking live comedy show on in late night at midnight still fucking innovating at 11 30 
Sorry, did I get very upset just there? I got very upset just there. Uh, Katie Levine, what do you have in the Nerds Community Corkboard? I got a couple cool things. Uh, this guy wrote in and he said he's producing a play in Seattle called Through the Plot Hole. It's written by his friend Micah Colding. And he really thinks that uh, Nerdist listeners would like it. It's a quirky original fantasy that in its simplest terms is a combination of Inception and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So that sounds really fun. Uh, it's going to be at the C- it's going to be in Seattle at the Slate Theater in the Inscape Building at eight one five Seattle Boulevard from February third to eleventh. So it's going on right now. You can find more info by going to their Facebook page and just searching through the plot hole, and it'll have links to tickets there and everything. And so yeah, definitely check that out. I think that could be really fun. Sounds like a fa- you, the, the address sounds like a fake address. They're like <laughs> it's in Seattle. Yeah, what's the address? Eight one five. Yeah, Seattle Street. Yeah, Seattle Street. <laughs> uh, okay. And another thing, uh, this guy wrote in and he's like and he says I just want to get the word out on a small Australian company that he discovered called Burley Fellow. Their primary their I know it's the most Australian name. Their primary business is crafted men's grooming products, but the backbone of the company is to use its sales uh, and reach to support men's mental health. That's really nice what I can <laughs> Burly fellow. It's so Australian. That's fucking great. But yeah, they That's use their name they, they use the products as a way to raise money and awareness for depression and anxiety disorders among men and support a bunch of organizations. So you can find them at burlyfellow.com. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Jeremy from Arizona that wrote it. I wasn't going to laugh, and then you said it again. <laughs> I support what they're doing. I just the uh, name makes me giggle. But I think that's great. I love that. <laughs> Say it one more time. Burly fellow. <laughs> Uh, I snorted. This episode is uh, Keanu Reeves back on the podcast. You know, the first time Keanu came on, we only had a half hour with him. I think it's the shortest podcast in Nerdist Podcast history in all 851 episodes. But this time, he was kind enough to give us an entire hour. He was great. He was great. And I always feel bad, you know, when we go in and we get people during their junket day because it's yeah, just it's a long day you know you go to this we were at the london hotel so it's like you show up at a hotel like this or sometimes it's the four seasons or and the, the whole floor is just dedicated to press and they're they just take them in the actors in one room after another and you know they just ask them a lot of the same questions and it's just drag them around and you know it's, but we uh, don't ask them all the same questions well no because we have a full nice hour break. to talk to people we get to we get to cover a lot of these things so it's just it's it's just I, I I just you should try to get someone to go. Okay, you can just relax and have a conversation now. And he was great. Yeah. But I, but I always feel bad for them in those moments, and I always feel like I'm sorry we're here at your junket day, <laughs> and I'm not just asking you. I'm not trying to get sound bites. Yeah. I'm not doing sound bites. <laughs> Fuck sound bites. Uh, so John Wick Two, which is as fucking great as you uh, are expecting it to be. We watched it the night before. Uh, he came on, and it's fu- It's just fun. It's just a fucking video game. All the videos of him doing the training that like went around the internet were s- so cool. Like he looked so good. There's some great long shots of yeah, <laughs> just the physics of the the blood spatter. Everything about it's great. So there aren't. Is I mean I guess there's not, is, should we give like a spoiler warning? It's not really a spoiler. There's one thing that happened in the first movie that doesn't happen in the second movie. 
And we mention it in this one. I don't think it's enough to ruin the movie for you or anything. I just, we can't really, I think it's going to be difficult to take it out because it just leads to so much other conversation, you know? No, I think, I think if anything, it'll make more people want to go see it. Yeah, so uh, John Wick Chapter 2 in theaters this Friday. Go see it. Keanu Reeves still making great movies in the year 2017. (laughs) This episode is uh, also brought to you by Blue Apron. Not all ingredients are created equal. Not all ingredients are equal. Uh, there are fresh, high-quality ingredients. They make a difference, Katie. They Just do. They taste fist. better. They taste better. really hurt better. my fist. I think I need Blue Apron so I can have healthier food so my fist won't hurt when I pound it against the <laughs> table in anger at how much crappy quality food is in the world when Blue Apron makes such fantastic... They just... It, it, it's great. I got it from my mom, too, mm-hmm. who loves it. Yeah. She fucking loves it. Because you get the ingredients, and then you just make it. She, you know, she particularly just likes to make stuff. Dude, cooking is so much fun. It's yeah, and fun I've done activity. the ones where they make the meal, and then you got to stick it in the microwave, and it's yeah. like, it's still, yeah, I don't know. It's not as rewarding. It this, is. You feel like you earned this meal. You earned it. It's, you, the you only difference is you it. don't have to go to the store. So uh, for less than $10 per person per meal, which is way cheaper than eating out, uh, Blue Apron delivers easy-to-follow recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients, uh, courtesy of over 150 local farms, ranches, fisheries across the United States, so right to your door, and they ship the exact amount of the ingredient that's needed for the recipe. So if you know if you work all day and you come home and you're tired and you're like, I have just enough energy to make some food. I mean, it's tempting when you're busy. Believe me, I understand when you're busy. You just want to like jam, just fucking drive through someplace and jam a cheeseburger in your face. But d- take a little bit of time. It's worth it. You'll have more energy. You'll feel better. You'll feel like you did something. Uh, it's less, you know, in 40 minutes or less. You'll have a home-cooked meal, and you'll, be, you'll have eaten, and you'll feel great. Some upcoming meals in February include cashew chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins Ooh. and uh, jasmine rice, uh, udon noodle soup, miso and soft boiled eggs, roasted pork with apple, walnut, farro salad, and crispy barramundi with quinoa and roasted carrot salad. So Ooh. these are really uh, – these are not run-of-the-mill food delivery service foods. They're fresh ingredients. Go to blueapron.com slash nerdist. Uh, check out the menu. Get your first three meals free with that code and free sh- shipping. So uh, thanks to Blue Apron for sponsoring this episode of Nerdist Podcast. BlueApron.com slash Nerdist. And here's Nerdist Podcast number 851 with Keanu Reeves. Back on the Nerdist Podcast. Katie, would you please roll this thing? Now entering Nerdist.com. That's good. A day where uh, everyone gets very inquisitive. Yeah. Usually about the thing you're doing. Which is okay, you know. It's uh, it's putting up posters. You know, you want you want people to know about the the show you're putting on. And yeah, I know, but it's a whole separate. I I always ask everyone about it on these on these junket days because. You know, when you first start out in the business, I, I don't think anyone ever thinks, I wonder, I should practice press day. You know, it's like, oh, you learn acting, you go to acting classes. You go yeah, to- I don't think they're doing that in Yale. <laughs> they're not. And they should. They should be doing the press day. Um, but maybe that's, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I know for me, way back when, 35 years ago, you know, going through that junket experience was definitely... I. 
I, I like, you know, I, I had done publicity and, and, you know, and I know that you're, you're putting on a play, you're putting on a show, right? The players are coming to town. Right. So fundamentally, I was completely on board, but the experience was definitely in the beginning shocking. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone yeah. give you, what was it for? Like Razor's Edge or something? What was it? Um, let's see, which was the one? I mean, I, I, one that pops out in, in my head is the first time that I went to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. For uh, Point Break, got oh wow that far in yeah yeah and then yeah yeah what was it just the same was it well well number one it was a culture I'd never been to Japan and I guess let's see in America yeah some of the, like the uh, Toronto Film Festival you know doing uh, some junkets there and press interviews and stuff definitely yeah. yeah. I, I, to right. me, it seems like it seems maddening now because we're in such a culture of um, editorial content demands where it's like every site has to put up 20 things, 50 things a day, and everyone's just looking for some little angle. And it's like if you say anything that's even – that someone could rip out of context and make – the press today is so terrifying to me. The old rip out of context. <laughs> An oldie but a goodie. <laughs> <laughs> but the the problem with today's modern ripping out of context is that at least I would imagine at least tabloids, you know, in the eighties, you know, there were only a few of them. Now it's right. like if one person gets something, then it's well, there was always gossip, right? Right. There was all, always gossip, and you know, the photographers waiting outside the hotel and all of those things. So it's again, it's it's classic. Well, how do you, you know, so when you're a young kid and, you know, you're coming out of a hotel and there's a million photographers and you're not used to that, do you think, oh, this is awesome or what the fuck is happening or is it the latter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, well, I'm, you know, you want to have a, uh, you hope to be able to have a kind of separation of public and private and, and you know, um, you know, not necessarily have people intruding on, you know, your private life. But on the other hand, it is cool when you get to meet folks who've seen what you've done and like what you do and, you know, give an autograph or take a photo or, yeah. um, you know, so that's, I'm, I'm, I'm good with all that, but yeah, nah, yeah, but the uh, peering through the hotel window or... Um, I'm going to take your picture while you're filling your motorcycle up with gas. <laughs> and then it'll be at the, they're just like us. <laughs> they're just stars. Like us. Yeah. They're human. We beings are who have We to... are. We are human beings <laughs> and, and, until you don't want us to be. Exactly. And then it's a shit show. Well, that's the thing is that so many people, so many people really have this impression of you and people in, you know, who are in the entertainment as a two dimensional thing it's like oh i see you in two dimensions basically i don't right they don't really see they don't they it's almost like which a, is fine yeah is it is it okay i mean well i mean yeah i mean it's not is it fine I, wait i have to stop for a second. <laughs> is that fine it's part of the deal um uh the old part of the deal another yeah. oldie but a goodie yes you wouldn't be famous unless i was a paparazzi taking your picture it, filling your motorcycle up with Exactly. Yes. You owe your career yeah. to me. Well, what about the film I did? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that too. But you know, this is definitely because this <laughs> picture of you filling your motorcycle. Right. You be famous. <laughs> I love that you ride motorcycles because 
it feel it seems I I was I was I was in San Francisco over the weekend. I was walking by a motorcycle shop and I went in and they had these amazing Triumph motorcycles. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified of motorcycles. I'm uh, flimsy by nature, and so <laughs> I'm just I just think of myself like getting on it at the shop. Thanks a lot, guys. Vroop, like right into a post. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So is it, was was this a, was motorcycling like a lifelong pursuit for you, or was it something that you did later? Um. I always wanted to ride a motorcycle as a kid, but I, I didn't really have the culture around me. Like, I didn't have any friends who rode motorcycles. And, um, and then when I, I moved to Los Angeles in 85, and um, I was 20, and then I was, I wanted to, I was older, and I was like, what are some things I want to do? And it was like, I want to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> and so um, I ended up learning how to ride a motorcycle and then getting a, a a bike and and then that journey started um which you know in los angeles is amazing right sunset boulevard to the pch into the santa potholes traffic people not paying attention ah, to <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Bus- and buses that don't give a shit yeah I mean, the, that oil in the, <laughs> the road oil, yeah, exactly. a little bit of drizzle and the whole the, city shuts down and you're sliding <laughs> and then of course don't forget about you know the choices that you make of course like maybe i shouldn't be at that high rate of speed <laughs> with all of those shots of tequila <laughs> but it feels so good i mean there's nothing and anyway, i'm not gonna... do your agents ever say like maybe please don't ride your motorcycle anywhere could you not no. do that i mean in the, no. when you start a project uh you there, there are some agreements that you have to sign sure you know like you will not ride your bike or jump out of airplanes or any of those only if you're john wick no no i mean any you know i mean part of your you know you get a health exam you know you have to go to the doctor and get checked out and part of when they do that on that document i agree not to and but they make you do everything in the movie, like, like oh well, that's okay because that's you know yeah f- you know professionally that's supervised. under insurance yeah. yeah yeah it seems like my wife and I watched the movie last night it's fucking great oh cool Thanks. and uh, I mean I'll probably cut this part out because this is a spoiler but we were real relieved that the dog didn't fucking die again there was like when the house blows up I'm like no fucking again no and then he comes up and licks your face and that was almost like your way of saying like we're not gonna do that again no <laughs> you don't yeah. have to. <laughs> You can't kill a dog again. You can't. It was so important the first time. I completely, you know, the movie itself, the first movie too, really spiritually is kind of John Wick. The movie itself is almost the character of John Wick, right? Wow. It's 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 uh, violent when it needs to be, but it there's a code and it's efficient and it just gets in and it gets out and it's yes, it's fucking great. But I just loved so much. We're gonna give it for the audience. We're gonna give you every reason why it's okay that this man murders like a hundred people, and you're gonna be not only are you gonna be okay with it, you're gonna wish he killed more, more. people. He's like, there's no end. There's no, no end there's, to the revenge. There's no end at all. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, we definitely. Um, I think from that premise, we kind of you hand that off to that guy, and I and I I, I like what you're saying that the film is the guy, mm-hmm. um, and. I think, I mean, that definitely continues in the second, in, in the second part of the chapter. Um, you know, the, the film takes place five days later, and um, you know, the first thing he does is he's going to go get his car that was stolen. You know, 
<laughs> and he's trying to reclaim his life, you know? And uh, stuff happens. Some things happen. But there is this recurring theme, which, you know, as someone who's yeah, really started to uh, address mortality in, in uh, my mid-40s. How old are you 45? 45. 45. Yeah. Uh, that uh, it's like, oh, wow, can you go back can you you know because they it's just this this life in particular is never going to let this guy ever make another choice yeah i mean it's in that yes it's choices it's rules which you know john abides by right but um they're starting to kind of crimp on his style (laughs) they're kind of starting to become conflicts with the life that he wants to lead and and the choices that he's made in the past are coming back to uh, collect. I mean, it's really it's comical to me that you. I feel so much empathy for a guy, and it's like, and he picks up, and it's a picture of his wife, and he has that moment. You're like, God, I feel so bad for him. And he literally just killed like thirty people. And you're like, well, Wow, it's not just thirty people. There are thirty horrible people. There are thirty arch villains. There are in the you know in the <laughs> underworld. And they got a job to do, and you know, he, he just, you know, they—that's what's happening. <laughs> they won't let the fucking they, guy. Right, let's leave me alone. <laughs> he just wants to go home with his dog. He just wants to hang out. He wants to grieve. <laughs> I mean, know? that's what we're, we're we're playing with that, expanding that kind of idea that there's John and John Wick, right? And in a and in this picture, you know, John Wick is fighting for John, right? You know, John. The widow, John, the guy who doesn't want to live in the world anymore of the underworld, um, who gets, you know, he has a choice. Either do what he's kind of bound to do to pay back a debt or uh, or die. Right. You know, so John Wick takes over and he's like, yeah, I get it. But... <laughs> um, there's a price to pay, you know, and in, in a weird way, John Wick keeps digging a deeper hole for John. Right. You know, so it's that conundrum of like, I want my agency, a self agency, but in order to achieve it, I'm compromising any possibility of that actually ever happening. Right. So it's delicious. Well, and you mentioned, you mentioned <laughs> dramatically underworld. delicious. I, 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 I mean this as a tremendous compliment but i one of the reasons why i love the second movie is because it almost feels like harry potter for assassins you know there's like this whole world that <laughs> yeah. the rest of humanity doesn't see yeah and there's this whole like magical world of you know like assassins, assassins. and this whole the, the high table gets introduced yes the yes clans, yes yes all of that kind of the clans of darkness and and john wick is kind of the chosen one and i mean like i feel like I feel like a lot of your characters are sort of like the chosen. You know, it's like Neo and Jack. Right. It's like all these characters. Constantine. Constantine. There was, a, there was a really great question on Reddit today where someone said, if any actor could assemble all of their characters from films, who would right. have the strongest army? <laughs> like, oh shit, that's a really good. And you, and Stallone? You, Stallone, maybe, but he doesn't really. With the, Schwarzenegger? With the exception of Judge Dredd, they don't really play. You know, Schwarzenegger played um, was in one superhero movie, right? You know, but so, right. but actually, your your name you were at the top of the list, and really? it just listed all of the yeah, yeah. It just it listed every you know from Speed and then uh, what about Utah. Clint Eastwood? 
But he he just you know he play plays like a gunslinger and like a bare knuckle boxers you know right. and then and then <laughs> cranky old racist guy you know right it's like I don't know if that I don't know if get off my lawn is that threatening as an army no no uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you but I kind of feel like. I kind of feel it, you know. Do you, do you think you would have a formidable army as uh, with all of your like all of the all of the cats I play all the cats? Yeah, I just I wouldn't mess with them. I don't know if they'd come marching in trying to like. They're all kind of reactive, aren't they? Very they're, reactive. They're not really looking to take what's yours. No, they're kind of trying to keep what's theirs. It's guys who have. It's guys who are just like fuck. Just let me live my life. I'm, maybe I made some dumb choices in my twenties, but for fuck's sake, just like get over it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Heaven and hell, John Constantine. Wow, you know I, this was brought up to me too. Is like how many Johns have I played? I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. I don't John, know the number. Johnny. I think there might be six or seven. I don't know. But I think what I've, I've got an army of Johns. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds almost punk rock. It is right? a little punk rock. Army of Johns. Army oh, of fuck. Johns. New band. Army New of Johns. Bad. It's a band name. Army of Johns. Yeah. Actually, I know we're joking around, but I think you should seriously consider it. I think you should seriously. <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> I am John. I am John. I am John. John. I'm John. But what's great about it is that it. I, I think because <laughs> I think a lot of your characters do sort of represent the. Like th- th- they're sort of aspirational in that way of like, oh, that could be any that guy could be anybody, right? You know, he's right. John. Like he's this very in in one part of his life, he's this very sort of invisible generic guy, and in, certainly in the Matrix, he was that guy in the right, beginning. Sure. And uh, but it's this untapped potential that he has. Like as right. the everyman, he can be like the the extraordinary, the extraordinary, goes the, uber, the, the, the uberman, the you know. But through the struggle, right, right, through the fight, through the discovery. Um, yeah, all your guys have to go through a lot of shit. They got to get. Yeah, I know. Chad Sahelski, the director of uh, Chapter Two here, he uh, he kind of delights in just crushing John Wick. You know, he gets <laughs> hit by cars and thrown through windows and beat up and shot, which is it's kind of funny. He's like, yeah, I like just you know fucking with that guy um which is fun because it's you know you get that kind of will and you know you get to get knocked down and you know brush it off and live to fight another day yeah but part of it really is you know someone said I, i i someone told me that uh the number of moves that you can do in a single take was is kind of legendary in fight training and stunt Hmm. circles because they're like yeah the amazing thing about Keanu is that he will he's like a lot of performers like okay one two maybe three moves in and they got a point like but the the amount of focus that you have the amount of focus you know the number yeah no I don't I'm making that up but the amount let's just say it's 14 okay that doesn't sound let's say well if we're gonna do that okay yeah 38 38 is great Any any blog could pick that up and just report it as news, and it's fine. That's what happens now. The new but reality. It's a new reality, yeah. As long as you say it and they can source it, it doesn't fucking it's matter. It's called a new fact. It is a new fact. It's an alternative <laughs> fact. But, uh, <laughs> which apparently are as redeemable as regular no, facts. No, they're, they're the same. Yeah, they're exactly the same. They're exactly the it's same. Like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like uh, paying for groceries with like uh, McDonald dollars or something. It's it doesn't just, matter. It's a dollar. It's a dollar. What it's are you a talking something. about? Yeah, somewhere yeah. it has yeah, value. value. Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be here but it doesn't matter new fact but it's just that it's just that amount of that amount of focus um you know i've i've benefited from a lot of training and and a lot of 
great teachers. And um, definitely when you go into John Wick, you know, uh, there's training because you, you can fake a fake punch. I mean, like, you know, throwing a punch and then someone faking to get hit. But it's a little different when you're doing a judo throw um, and a little different in the jujitsu. And uh, and then also the, with the gun work, they wanted, you know, wanted to give me the opportunity to, to do a lot of gun training, target shooting, and um, just to get to, you know, to be able to be comfortable with the weapons and to 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 be real with them, you know, like, yeah, that guy can do that. Yeah. Um, and which I think is part of the fun of watching the movie because you kind of get connected to the character. You're watching him go through these fights and to do these things. Um, and so for me... As a performer, it's fun to be able to be there to create that connection to hopefully the enjoyment of the film. Um, so that's the raison d'etre. <laughs> Whoa, that's very fancy. Uh, where do you find these guys, especially when so much of the movie is this character is being defined by how hard he can kill the shit out of everyone? And they are, <laughs> there are some amazing like video game grade sequences, yes. especially like in the catacombs running through the tunnels. Yeah. And it, so the, the my wife my wife loves that stuff too. Oh really? She likes cool. To do flight training and uh, uh, and just the the angles of the shot so you can see like the the blood spatter <laughs> against the rocks and everything. Oh my! But yes. It, so what with it with it with a the director would loves that stuff. I mean every shot every every explosion every bullet hit every you know there has they they the math has to be right right you know. There's the math is right. So when you, I, I guess it's, it's sort of the difference between the the technical aspect of making sure that you know everyone dies and everyone John Wick goes in to do what he's supposed to do, but then how do you as a performer go? Okay, well, where are we going to find this guy's humanity? You know, like we know that he is an unstoppable killing machine. Right. We know he's this boogeyman character that cannot be stopped. But he's fleeing. He's fighting again. I think it's the reactive aspect of it. The humanity is that he's fighting for his life. Yeah. Right. And and I think also with the with the context of the world, um, there's like an agreement, right? Yeah, like he's being chased. They're shooting at him. Okay, they're shooting at him because in the previous scene, I I might have you know killed someone, <laughs> but, but you had no choice. But I had no choice. <laughs> um, you know, and maybe I wasn't quite uh, you know. But then you know, someone puts a contract out on me. And I'm fighting for my life again. Yeah. So hopefully you root for the guy. Hopefully you root for John Wick. I mean, I write for, I, I root for him. I, uh, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. You know? Lost his wife. They killed his dog. They he, did. Yeah, I know. He just wants to retire. He wants to like hang out. Maybe he's going to go fishing. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like... woodworking. I don't know. Restore books. You, you know, know I, I do, I do kind of wonder... This is places where my brain goes like, okay, so what if John... Because the way that this movie ends, it seems like, well, there has to be a third one. I mean... Right, it, it, right. But, uh, but, I, but I think like a guy like that, I just wonder... I get too real with it. I'm like, well, how, does, how would he process all of that? I mean, at a certain point, especially as you, as you get older and you get more reflective and, you know... Can, do you think it's even possible for him to process like everything that he's experienced? Um, he's, I think the character definitely has some stuff to work out, <laughs> and he might need to seek some, you know, a professional healthcare worker. <laughs> um, but right now he's a little busy. Yeah, and you know, 
does he have a little post? I mean, yeah, we kind of get into that. You know, a character asks him, you know, do you believe in hell? You know, and he's like, yeah. You know, he. I think that there's... I mean, I, it's not explored, but I think it's in the fabric and kind of emanates from the character that um, that he knows who he is and what he's done and where that might be morally and ethically. Yeah. You know? Um, and, yeah. Is it silly to but ask? I, but in the context of where we see him, yeah. I think that... Because um, they talk about missions or like the impossible task that he had to do in order to get out in the first place. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I, th- I feel like when we see him, that there is a kind of he's not a bad guy. He's not, you know. There's again, I just go back to fighting for his life, but that's not enough. Um, I don't know. I don't think he's a bad man. Right. But I guess you, as the performer, can't really ever think any of your characters are, are bad. I mean, I don't. I can't. I'm re- not that guy. You're not. I'm that not guy. like you. Have to fall in love with the villain, <laughs> and you know they're not bad people. And like, no man, he's bad. Enjoy it. Okay, you good. Know? Good. Yeah. No. Come on. But you don't really play. I've played a few villains. Do you have a favorite that I've played? Yeah. Um, you know, like all my children, I love them all. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, I played a, a, a kind of a villain, a character named Donnie Barksdale in Sam Raimi's film, The Gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was this, uh, English Chinese Kung Fu movie called Man of Tai Chi. And I played the villain in that. Um, and he was delicious. I mean, he just was interested in corrupting an innocent soul and interested in death and Yeah. That was fun. Because <laughs> he was a little more fantastical. Right. You know, Donnie Barksdale was an awful, wife-beating, beating fucking asshole. Right. So, you know, it was okay to play him, but he was a jerk. <laughs> do you ever, you know, a- a- after a movie like that or after a movie like John Wick, do you ever go, hey, maybe I just want to play a movie, maybe I'm just a character who just uh, doesn't really get out of bed very much and is just on a on a cruise ship most of the time. <laughs> do you have a coma movie? <laughs> Maybe I wake up from a coma and I'm just in bed. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Um, can I be the king of something? Yeah. Can and I maybe just... there's, uh, yeah, I have servants. A bunch and, uh, of other people just run around and you kill that guy. Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah. In uh, Tahiti? <laughs> Or like or South of France, or a real low, a real like low stakes romantic comedy or something. Oh, or it's low like, stakes romantic. There is no low stakes in romance. I get that's true in real life, but in romantic comedy, oh, like, that's right. She's she, he's, he's uh, an accountant. She's a, a fortune teller. And how do they? It's reckon, wacky. It's wacky. How do they fit? How do they? He likes his forks in this drawer, and she leaves her pants on the floor. You know? Oh my god! I mean, come on. <laughs> you must you must feel some relief. I mean, I I I suspect that you probably love the grind, though. You probably seem I to am a en- grinder. You enjoy the grind of like, let's fucking get into this and let's parse it out. Well, and why focus. else would you do it, man? Yeah. And then that's that's true of doing the fortune teller and the, what was the other person's? What was I what think was he was an accountant and the accountant yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I mean, digging into the characters and into the story and dedicating and committing to. The work and telling the story is, is is the pleasure, um, 
But I do also, in terms of action, love the physical side of it. Yeah. I, I like the training and I like, you know, trying to achieve sur- super perfect in an action sequence. And um, it might be my Virgo-ness coming out, uh-huh. you know. Sure. Um, so I would be that guy, I like my socks that way. You know, right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just... But- it just seems but like I'm a fortune teller. Uh, you're for, you'd be the fortune teller, yeah, and right. the other person yeah. would be the accountant. That's how that yeah. would play out. But it just it just seems like uh, uh, there's so much focus in everything, such a tremendous amount of focus. And do you ever sort of feel that uh, hey, maybe I don't need to do this for a while? Because you, everything you do, ever since I first started seeing you, uh, I'm not that much younger than you are. It seems like you kind of just do whatever you whatever you feel like you want to do. <laughs> Big movies, small movies, main characters, not main characters. It just seems yeah. like, you know, or like for Key and Peele's movie, like, oh, I'll just do the voice. You know, I'll like, do why the not? Voice. Why not? I'm the cat. You're the cat. So why not? Uh, I mean, that that's a very specific type of a mindset that seems to operate kind of just on their own wavelength. Right. Um, you know, it's always been my hope to try and do, you know, different genres, dif- different scales of films. Um different kinds of stories and i mean i i just you know i i enjoy what i do and um and i like doing weird shit and hopefully creating worlds and popular work and um and you know this for me it's really the material and who you're working with yeah um and that's for like if something's coming to me and in terms of like developing things um yeah, I mean, I, I I like doing what you said, you know, playing character roles or supporting cast or leads or, um, you know, playing John. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel really fortunate to have been able to do that. I mean, it, and it also kind of seems like it doesn't really feel like – you feel like you're just kind of your own entity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it doesn't – because there are certain people I go, oh, they're a part of that scene or they're a part of that scene. It's like, oh, right. you just sort of operate in your own space. And that's a – that's more of a, I don't know. It's a, it's it feels like a little more trailblazy. But do you ever feel like ah, I better do this, or I should probably do this to help this, or do you really just go, hey, this is exciting to me. I'm just going to do it because it sounds fun. Um, I think they're they're both. That's those are both true. Um, uh, definitely, there's you know professional considerations of like trying to, um, you know, in terms of the acting capacity. Uh, I'm a beggar, right? So I can't do it by myself. It's a collaboration. It's a collaborative art form. Um, and so it's not quite like I just order it up, right? So right. I got to develop work or I got to take meetings or, and, but, I'm, but again, I'm also not saying that there aren't opportunities, right? So um, let's see, what's my point? I've kind of drifted adrift of a point. Well, I think it's just how, it's how are you, you know, how, how do you know or what is it that, what is it that inspires you or what is, because some of the movies like, you know, w- when they're pitched to you, it's like point break. All right, they're surfers, but they're bank robbers. And you're like, well, how Fantastic. That, that? <laughs> well, for me, I mean, specifically on that, I hadn't been in an action genre picture, right? So Catherine Bigelow, as the story's told, has just really had to fight to have me to play that role, you know? Right. The, the studio went Keanu Reeves, Johnny Utah, action movie. Uh, and Catherine went, yes. You know, and they were like, what are you thinking? And she was like, he's the guy. Um, so thank you again, Catherine. Because um, that changed my life. 
Um, and that's, again, where it's collaborative. You need someone to kind of put that out there. Um, I'm adrift again. But that's, you know, that's... That, be a drift. Listen, kind of, you, you're gonna have to of, you're gonna have to talk for like twelve hours today. And no, I, no, no, no. And no. I always feel bad about pitting people down when they're doing a press day because I'm sure a lot of it's like, you know, here's five questions. Here's a, no, this, no, no, no. But I, I'm I'm just. What was your question? Because it's if it's what is what was it? It's really remember? just about. It's really just about you know so, selection and choices and and right. how do you what is it that excites you about something like what right. is it because you have well then it's like if it's cool. <laughs> I mean, if it's to your taste, if it's like something that you that you like, you know, you like the character, you like the story, um, then you know, oftentimes I'll say yes when other people are like, uh, "No, you shouldn't do that movie." You know, you you know, it's too small, or the subject matter is too challenging, or um, but that often happens with, the, I guess, if it's just a singular populist point of view, sure. And and maybe that's the distinction, you know. But you must have some sort of a gut. I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, I mean, your life is essentially everyone's life is a, is is a series of choices that they make, some good, some bad, but they sort of have to, you know. And I think everything has some type of value, even in the ones that don't work out, because you go, okay, right. I learn. If you can learn from stuff, right, then you can do better the next time you know hopefully hopefully how's that going for you for me i'm, I'm like i don't know i'm, I'm doing okay but <laughs> i mean i don't know i maybe i have a learning disability no i, I think know. it's healthy to always think you're doing just okay i think if yeah. you think you're nailing it too much you're not nailing you're it. just you're just weird you're just weird yeah you're not nailing it but i think it's bad to swing too far to the other side and be like i'm a failure uh, i never yeah you know. i think to think okay i'm doing okay i'm but doing okay do it's healthy yeah, it's, I think it is healthy. I think it is healthy. But, uh, you know, it's especially in, in, in this business where you, it takes so many people to make a thing, and then it takes so many people to make a thing good. So, like, you know, with the, with, with the Matrix, when that hadn't been seen before, really, right. at least not in American cinema. Yeah. And so how do you, you know, how, when they're going, we're going to do this, and it's going to look like this, and if people don't have a frame of reference... I'm sure there were people who went, well, that's never going to work. So why are yeah. you the guy that says, I know that can work? I don't know. I really like the script and the stories. And, and when I met the directors, they were fantastic. And the, um, But that's also what made them exceptional. And, and, the, and the studio at the time that took a chance on them. And, you know, they had proof of concept, right? So they had the script and they had some images and they had done bullet time. They had done like a... Uh, a proof of concept of bullet time. So there was a bunch there to say yes to, but yeah. also, you know, humans are batteries and they live in a digital world. It's like some Philip K. Dick stuff, right? Yeah. And I could see how someone could say, uh, and we're going to spend how much to make that story? <laughs> uh, well, we need, you know, whatever tens of millions. Ten? ten? What? How much was that? Um, but they did, and God bless them all. Yeah. And um, I mean, it was hard not to get super excited to see Lawrence Fishburne pop up in this movie. Oh, like, oh, there he is! Come there on, there is. they are. Yeah. Um, you know, it was cool. It was I had seen him socially, and and uh, and he was he was saying that he really enjoyed the first one, and he kind of kind of just not flippantly or he said, but you know, if there anything comes up in the second one, let me know. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, as a matter of fact, Lawrence, there is. And so, um, 
Chad sent him the script and, and thankfully he responded to the role. And, and then of course he, he, he came to the picture and knocked it out of the park. Yeah. He's great. He's that guy. He's amazing. Do you, how, so how do you, uh, separate the, I'm the producer, I'm like a producer hat versus a, just an actor hat. Um, I guess you just take them on and off quickly. Right. Or, <laughs> um, I mean, you don't want when you're in the middle of when, like when you have to shoot and you're in scenes. I'm sure the last thing you want is people come in and go, "Hey, uh, here's some producer things you need yeah. to work out." On this on this project, I'm not that guy. Okay. Yeah. On John Wick, I'm I'm more of a I'm not a credited producer. You're so not. Okay. I'm not. No. Um, I just assume on everything you do, you probably I, have. I have I have a point of view, and I'll ask those questions going into the picture. You know, and I'll go into the office and check everything out and how's it looking and what are we doing and what are the resources and um one because I like it, but two it impacts the film you're in. Yeah. Um and you know, with John Wick too, there's a real shorthand with the director and the producer, Basil Awanek and and what Chad needs, what the picture needs and um so I might weigh in on that. Uh and I'm certainly creatively you know, when we were coming into having the opportunity of doing chapter two, um, you know, Chad, uh, the, the writer, Derek Kolstad, Basil Awanek, the producer and myself, definitely there were meetings and definitely involved in the collaboration and the creation of the story that we tell. How do you define uh, for you? What is a success? You know, is it, is is it some sort of an external thing like oh, box office or, or or the press or whatever, or is it like an internal thing? Like I know I did a good job on this, regardless of what happened. Yeah, um, the latter is definitely number one, right? So that's like the work that you did, the work that you did it with, and the film that got made. And if you feel positive, if I feel positive about the work that we're doing, mm-hmm. then the other things, whether the budget of it. Um, or how it's critically received, um, don't impact me as much in the sense of like, you know, for me, if it's, if it's monetary, which is connected to, did people like it? You know, did they like what you do and like what you were part of? Um, that's important, you know, cause you want people to like what you're, you're a part of and what you're doing. Um, so if, uh, if it doesn't make money, it means that no one saw it. And if you really feel strongly and, Love what you did. Um, can I swear on the Nerdist? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been fucking swearing like crazy. Okay, right? well then yeah. that's a fucking drag. Yeah. Right? No. <laughs> so it's like, it's um, yeah. And then critically, yeah. I mean, you try not to read reviews, but ah, uh, they creep in. <laughs> One always gets like, did I leave the window open? <laughs> Wait, is it back to who left the back door? What? 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 How'd that press what? get in here? How did, how did that it? review put this here? God Who damn opened? it. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? I hope they like it. You know? Um, but that's like, but that's like the date. That can be a, a momentary thing. But sure. The thing that lasts is really, um, your, ex- my experience for me, just my experience making it in the film that got made. Like, for me, a film that I did called Generation Um, I, I think there's eight people who have seen it. But I love that film, and I love the work that's in it from myself and from the other actresses and actors and um, the director and everybody. So, you know, pieces like that, you're like, oh, I wish people would watch Generation Um, It's a nice movie. Um, but they didn't, so it's a drag. 
But but you know, I think ultimately that's just an external thing that you can't control, and that can that right. can be a variety of factors of. Oh, you know, it came out at a time where this happened, or it just kind of. Mi- but that doesn't mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now with Netflix, <laughs> you know, like now yeah, with Netflix, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You do like, but that's one of the real, uh, one of the cool things about digital exhibition and distribution that's happened over the past eight years, is that the films are having a uh, a different life, but 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 have an opportunity of being seen, and so you will get that like response of you know on the street like oh i saw generation um i was weird and you're like like, yeah cool you saw it yeah um so is there do you have like a couple like maybe two or three movies that you feel like it whether they were huge hits or not huge hits but you feel like oh i would really like people to see these couple movies because they either you know represent something special for you private lives of pippa lee a scanner darkly nice um what else we got floating out there? Um, I don't know. I'm gonna. I mean, the the, the kung fu movie mo- I made, Man of Tai Chi. Have you seen the documentary I did called Side by Side? No, what's that? Oh my god, the documentary Side by Side about the transition from photochemical film and then digital. Oh, we're gonna watch the shit out of that. No, it's a good one. My wife and I love that. Oh, you do? Yeah, oh, well, then stuff. this is actually it's it's really cool. It's directed by Chris Keneally. I produced it. Oh, that's great. A part one of the producers, Justin Slaza, produced it as well. But it's I got to I had this feeling of like I was in a. Oh, Henry's Crime. Another nice... Yeah, yeah. Vera Farmiga. Um, James Caan. Nice movie. Romantic. <laughs> um, anyway, I was working on that. I think it was 2011. And um, and right there, I was just seeing like they were doing digital color. Um, and there was this conversation happening between the digital colorist and the photochemical colorist as we were matching photochemical film and digital. And then there were the new, all these new digital cameras coming on. And, and I was like, this is the end of film. <laughs> and so I started on this kind of journey for a year and a half of interviewing people about that, the end of film. You caught of- that moment. Yeah, I did. Because while we were making it, Aeroflex stopped making cam- photochemical cameras and Panavision. Um, and it was really coming, the, the area Alexa was coming. And so I spoke with cinematographers and filmmakers, George Lucas, Christopher Nolan. I mean, there's a Lars von Trier, uh, Steven Soderbergh, oh, wow. uh, Robert Rodriguez. So we were really doing like the dig- new digital, uh, David Lynch, we'd done early video. Um, so we were really kind of going this transformation from digital video to the high-end cinema cameras. Um, and then just the end of film. And we get into archival. Um, and just, you know, what are we losing? What are we gaining? You know, what is the difference between a photochemical image and a, and a digital image? Um, and uh, so if... Uh, and it got into digital. I mean, not really. All things digital. Really, the last piece was the digital camera that right. made it all possible, right? Um, and so, side by side is about that. That's fantastic, and especially because you have so much access to you have access to people that most people do not have access to. Yeah, that helped. I mean, I we went to a, a film festival in in uh, Bydgoszcz in uh, Poland. 
It's called Camera Image, and it's a cinematographer's film festival. It's where we started. And so basically we had a couple of guys, the director, producer, and a couple of cameramen, and we, we basically bum-rushed a film festival <laughs> and just started like interviewing. And because I was there... You know, some of the film uh, cinematographers I'd worked with, they'd known me, so it was safer, right? Sure. They would say, like, oh, it's Keanu Reeves. Okay, yeah, okay, I'll take 10 minutes and talk to you. Um, and then from that, we kind of gained a reputation. And then basically, I was writing letters and contacting people's managers and agents and saying, wherever, however, whenever, we will come to you and will you interview us? We go, can I, in- can I interview you? Oh, my you? God, that's amazing. I would imagine the first five minutes of any of those people would be like, oh, before we start this, who would win in a fight, Constantine or Neo? You know, I'm like, because <laughs> people are fanning out. You know, it's that's, like, yeah, no. But yeah, but no. <laughs> no. Um, By the way, I feel like it would be Neo. Oh, winning? Yeah. I, Constantine or Neo? Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. Neo's kind of a, he's in, in the, within the Matrix, he's kind of a god. So I guess within the Matrix, I guess if it was just like... Okay, well then we're choosing the venue, right? Are we in reality or are we in the digital world? Well, I wasn't prepared to get that question, I mean, what, is this his home field or what's the weather like? I don't... I mean, <laughs> what's, what's going what's on What's the weather here? like? The sun's blocked out. The humans blocked it out to defeat the machine, so they use the people as batteries. It's a terrible reality. Right, and then Constantine puts his forearms together, starts speaking some Latin. <laughs> <laughs> and here come the demons. <laughs> Deal with that, Neo. All right, fine. Thomas. All right, fine. You take Constantine. I take Neo. It's totally fair. It's totally reasonable. I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I've been seeing a lot of people seem to keep throwing the Bill and Ted question at you. And the only reason I do is because uh, Alex Winter was just on the podcast, oh, right. maybe like uh, when he did the dark web documentary. Sure. And uh, I always... I always bug him about that. And he's like, yeah, you know, you know, we're still we're talking trying, about it. We're still talking about it. We're still talking about it. But uh, We're still talking about it. I still think it would, you know, whenever you decided to do it. I that We is- want to do it. We're waiting on a script and we're waiting on, you know, these entities. We're waiting on the business side of show business to get their acts together. Right. Because it's a rights cluster fuck. So there's MGM and then this other company, STX, that's trying to do it. And- well, see, now that's really interesting to hear because... A lot of times when people, you know, people who are not in the business go, why don't you just do this thing? And it's like, okay, <laughs> usually when something doesn't happen, the answer is lawyers, you know? That's yeah. usually, usually the problem. Yeah, getting so, lawyered up. Um, so, so maybe just give people, if you can just give people a little idea of like with something like this or anything, what the process is so they understand. Like, it's not like we're not doing it to punish you. Like, it's just, yeah. a, it's just a process. Well, you know, the... The writers had originally, this was, I think now seven years ago, had come to Alex and I, and they had an idea. Um, Chris Mathis, Ed Solomon? Yes. Yeah. Uh, to, to tell another, ver- another story. And so Alex and I was like, cool. And we riffed and they wrote a draft. And then, so from there, we had a producer. We brought Scott Kroof on board, who was um, one of the original producers. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you're like looking for a director, and then you're looking for a place to to pay for it, um, and hopefully have distribution. And so that's MGM, and then MGM's like, no, nah, we don't like it enough. And then this company STX was like, yeah, we kind of like it, we'd like to do it. And then STX and MGM have to start talking to each other, right? right? So you get into chain of title, you get into rights. 
Uh, and then they start negotiating it, and they're still. Uh, and then yeah, STX wanted some different drafts, and so the writers do some different drafts, and they're doing free drafts. And then we're like, you can't do that anymore. You have to get paid. But then who's paying you? But who's going to pay them if they don't have the rights to it? Right. Um, and so it's it's uh, so that's the struggle. It becomes the business side of show business um, to kind of find the funds and and get the rights and pay the dough to let the creatives go. I think that's a, at least that, you know, that kind of helps people understand it's never as simple as like, they're just not doing it, you know? It's like, <laughs> no, they, you know, everything, especially in film, just seems like it takes so fucking long to yeah. the process. It can be, it can be. And then there's other times where it's just like, okay, we've got this, the funds and we're going to go now or we're going to beg, borrow and steal or we're going to leverage a credit card, you know, different levels um, where you can just, say fuck it let's just go make it but even then you know you've got the leveraged credit card or you've borrowed the money and yeah yeah so hopefully that can get all paid back <clears throat> netflix six episode miniseries uh whatever i mean i don't know i'm just you know sometimes things come out i don't know <laughs> yeah uh, whatever i don't whatever, know anything right? anything I don't know, netflix, Amazon, <clears throat> netflix 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 is shelling out dough i think like netflix of all entities in the world i feel like netflix would just go here just take a bunch of money we'll make it yeah fucking great no it's cool i mean it's definitely i mean that's actually one of the things that we talk about in in the documentary is that the digital realm has really created the possibility for so many people to tell their stories you know um and i think it's really helped with documentary and we've also seen the impact of you know digital streaming and digital communication affect politics and culture um, you know, people are shooting movies on mobile phones, you know, you're getting fucking 4k out of your mobile device, <laughs> yep. which is projection quality theatrical. Um, so the means of production have become, but there's also the expensive version of that, but it's also impacted exhibition and distribution back sure. to Netflix and streaming and all of the other ways to, uh, to get your story told or seen. I mean, it is. It, it is definitely the. Re- it is is a good justification for the digital culture that we live in. I also, you know, it is kind of interesting to me that there are matrix themes that seem very applicable to now, which is which is people sort of building these digital um, facades that we live right. in. Like you can create whatever truth or reality you want if you yeah. surround yourself with the right algorithms to tell you what you want to hear and it's kind of weird like it's kind of strange that that's where we live now i know it's crazily (laughs) diabolical (laughs) and then you know when here comes you know virtual reality and you know vr and ar and yeah that's going to be a whole other bunch of fun and games i was telling someone i think virtual reality i was like i i feel like there will be an addiction problem with virtual reality because why would you want to live in the real world if you could live in a perfectly idealized reality for most of the time? I mean, you'd get out to eat and pee, but other than that, you know, yeah. I think it's going to be a That's real the dark problem. Side. I mean, that was the dark side of, you know, that idea that was in popularly introduced to us in The Matrix. But I, mean, I was developing a TV show called User that was just about that. Like if you can sit in your home and you can travel and you can have experiences why go to real life and part of that was that you would just go to real life so that you could pay for your artificial life you're you'd ha- yeah you'd need to be able to fund it yeah so it was just basically junkies who are just you know but the, uh, the other hand of that was that like but if you were blind you could see right and if you couldn't run you could run the beach and if you couldn't swim if you were you know paralyzed you could go f- you could fly right 
All that stuff's great. Most people would just be like, <laughs> <laughs> "Don't say it." The Swede, the Swedish are working on it. <laughs> There's the, the haptic suit is coming to you very shortly. Just put this suit on, put the goggles on, put the thing with the earplugs, and away we go. And it's got AI, and it's got AI too, so you yeah. can have a conversation, yes. and feel that the warming power of the haptic suit. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, and and you know, it's. I mean, if we're gonna go there, I mean, just the the neurochemistry behavioral knowledge that is being gained and starting to interact with these new technologies. Um, you know, a virtual reality experiences basically implant into your real experience, right. memory. But, and you can't really distinguish between what's real and no, what's No, you're just going to have the same experience. Yeah. Distinguish, yeah. You're not going to forget that you're having VR. But it's still going to feel. Your brain neurochemistry wise is going to be activated your action potentials are going oh to my God. become enacted it's so dangerous right <laughs> it's gonna so it's it's be so it's, fucked up it's so fucked up <laughs> and we're i think like our generation's yeah like no, but, we, but people would say to you that's fucked up but then they would give you the other side right so think of how you could do therapeutic psychological exercises and treatments and Yes. Think about you know the travel and experiences that you couldn't have in of real course. life that you could have, and I know, of, but I just I know. can't I can't ignore the you know ten thousand years of evidence that mankind will take anything good and try to put it on its dick. You know what I mean? It's like that's what that's what or kill you with or it. kill you with it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yes, of course. You know, it's like you know every great superhero movie starts out with a oh we did this to try to help and then it went horribly right. wrong because well I mean you know if we go into like like entertainment you know in terms of culture and you know is it is it to teach and learn and ref- hold the mirror up to better ourselves and artists generally try to do that yeah. you know but then there's also escapist entertainment right right where i don't want to fucking think about anything right you know and i i want to get my synapses turned off and i don't want to you know i just i just want to watch something and be entertained and think it's funny and all of those kinds of things do you do would you want to like direct a bunch of stuff ever because it seems like you love storytelling i do indeed sir um yeah you know i'd love to direct i mean i had one chance to do it and i'd love to have the chance to do it again um just trying to find a story gotta find a story to tell yeah it seems like, but just hearing you talk, I mean, you almost kind of did that with the documentary. Yeah. But it seems like you like this sort of, uh, this kind of like, where are we going? Almost the singularity of, yes. of it all, like the Kurzweilian, like, oh, it's, yeah. you know, we're all... Ray! Yeah. But Ray's an optimist, right? <laughs> you think so? There won't be any food and there'll be no weather and we'll be in caves, but we'll be better. You know, right. it's all going to, I'll have a, you know, artificial arm, brain, mind, thing, no cancer, everything right. will be no Or Black Mirror. Did you and watch Black any Mirror, of the Black Mirror? Well, Black Mirror is like, um, yeah, the last season was really, I thought, I mean, I enjoy them, but I thought the the confrontation of humanity and technology, I thought they were really clever and yeah. and really on point and just a little bit, you know. They had more digital immortality and yes. you know that choice and some of the behavioral kind of um, you know the aspect with the bees mm-hmm. like if, if you commit murder and um, 
Yeah. So th- there's some, I, you know, I think art can do that, right? That's, you know, kind of like watch out right. what's coming, you know? So as we're kind of winding this down, uh, oh my God, I can't believe it. This has almost been an hour already. Uh, I hope it has not felt like an hour no, to you. No, no, good clean fun. Good. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, the last, it was, a, it was so much fun the last time you were on and it was really, you know, I just want people to come on and be comfortable and not sort of feel like they're being grilled. Um, but particularly with someone like you, you know, I, I'm such a fan of what you do that I don't. I try to like mash that down a little bit. And like we're just two guys, yeah, chilling out. We're just two guys on a couch in an artificial environment in a hotel in West yeah. Hollywood on a Friday morning, conversing though, right? <laughs> yeah, conversing. Well, that's what's the part of the one, one of the best things about the podcast is is like, hey, these are people that I like and respect. What's it like to just talk to them like people and not right. you know right. like grill. So that's I you know that's why a lot of the questions come from sort of Chris. What's happiness for you? I don't know. I, it's this moment. <laughs> it's this moment right now. You know what I think? What do you hope for <laughs> in 2017? You know what? That's a great. That's a great question. I think that's a great way to kind of write. We'll we'll each sort of talk about what happiness is to us. No, I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. You no, have to confront it. No. Keno is balled up on the couch no, in a fetal position. I was joking. Like he was told was he had to kidding. do his homework. Happiness is not homework, Keanu. No. Happiness is not homework. Uh, no, no. <laughs> You're going to school. You are going to school. I made you breakfast. I'll leave. I'll, you'll see me walk out the door, but you don't know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I will have drones make sure you go to school. Oh, yeah. Now we can just bug kids and oh, make right. sure Get they go tag. where they're going. Yeah. 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 Just like tag them. I'm like, no, I know you didn't go to school. It's for your you safety. It's, yeah. I'm doing this just I'm doing this for your you. safety. Yeah, there is. There is. <laughs> you know, that's it. But it is an interesting question. Like, what, what is it? Because I feel like we're so inundated with so much information at all times and i don't think we're really i don't think we can really process how much information we're mashing in good stuff bad stuff neutral stuff and so lately happiness for me has been kind of uh disconnecting a bit uh-huh and being okay with not having to be so to not know anything kind of <laughs> i mean in a way no, to unplug a little bit and to sort of be you know, in the in the moment and appreciate something and not be thinking about the past or the future or what someone online said or some something like right. that. Uh, do you do you agree with that or what do you what what do, what is what is what are chunks of happiness for you? How do you know when you're happy? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I feel good, feel good. Um, I, mm, you know, I, I I'm not really plugged into. For me, doing what you just spoke about would be like. Um. Yeah, maybe. But I gotta answer those emails. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna say some really fundamental, basic things. But I mean, you know, experiences with your friends, um, doing good work. You know, being involved in work. Um, you know, I love riding motorcycles. I have a motorcycle company. Um, uh, some travel. I mean, I'm really. You know, it's like. You know, some food and shelter, a little bit of love. Yeah, here and there. You know, go hang out, do some things. Which you can. I mean, I feel really lucky to to have the resources or the opportunities to do both, you know, personally and creatively to have a chance at things, you know. I mean, do you give yourself that sort of reward? Like, do you wake up some days and go, hey, you know, I think I actually have been doing okay. Like, or do you go like, oh, no, I still got to do this or I got to do that. Or do you kind of allow yourself to feel like, Hey, you know what? I yeah, I, th- I think whatever it is that I set out to do, I think I'm doing it. 
Um, no, I'm. I guess I'm a. I'm. I'm a workaholic, and um, so I. 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 And I like to make things, you know. Um, so and I and I do feel like I do have a ticking clock. So the the mortality, um, the wonderful mortality punch in the face, right? Uh, with age, uh, happened. So. Um, but with all that still, yeah, you know, enjoying the simple things, but we're going to die, man. <laughs> Wait, now? No, what? <laughs> no. So. No, you're immortal. I feel like there, there's a, there's, there's so, someone, um, so, so I saw something, no. I remember it was on Reddit or something, but it was a, it was like a Keanu Reeves through the ages and it was like a painting from 1580 that looked like you <laughs> and one funny. from like the 1700s looked like you and it was like uh, 84, 94, 2004, <laughs> now. And you're just, you know, with the exception of different hairstyles. Hair, lines on the face. You look exactly the same. Oh uh, man. Well, I'll, that's my ancestors then because I certainly haven't done anything to earn to keep that <laughs> keep that show going there's there's no yeah that's definitely you know whoever came before me and what i inherited well what's left then if, if, if you feel like okay mortality is out there whatever like what's left what is it that you feel like is there any point oh i gotta quote i gotta quote parenthood a movie that you're fantastic in oh, where jason robards goes you never cross the goal line you never, never. spike the ball you know, yeah. like he, he says that to Steve Martin and it's just like, oh, fuck. And the older you go, oh, God, there's not really a, you know. So what is it? What is it for you that you think that you got? That- I don't know. I'm not quite a journey destination person, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, I live in a like, what have you done lately biz- for me business? Sure, sure. So, and I also don't mind that in the way that, you know, I'm a bit of a gypsy. But, I mean, you, you want to make good works. You want to, you know, you want to have the experience of, of that. You know, I love acting. Um, I love producing, trying to help other people have a chance to tell stories. Um, you know, I'm a part of a film called To the Bone that just got well-received in Sundance. So there's a there's a little fucking... Nice. Throw, there's a little spike of the football there. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, okay, that happened, so what's next? <laughs> <laughs> Moment know, over. Now what? Now, now what? Now what happens? Now what? You know, yeah. so it is... There is, I mean... I guess that's a that's a version of a beautiful bourgeois rat race. I'm in a beautiful bourgeois rat race. Another great band. That's the album name. <laughs> that's the album title for the band that we came up with earlier. Yeah. What was the band name? I can't uh, remember. What was it? The Johns. Uh, oh, the, yeah. The, the, the jo- No. But, uh, all the Johns? All the Johns. All the Johns. All the Johns. Was it All the Johns? I think it was All I the Johns. I am John. I am John. I am John. Yeah. I am John. Yeah. yeah. If, you could, if you could tell, like, you know... 1985 Keanu Reeves who just moves to Los Angeles with a fresh face and a song in his heart. <laughs> if you could tell him anything, what would you say with, you know, that much runway behind you? What would you what would you tell him? What would I tell him to yeah. see what's coming? Yeah, what would you what, say? What would, like, I say? What would you give him any good? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say turn around. <laughs> <laughs> Go back. Uh, that's definitely not that's happening. That's out of the question. I mean, do you mean like advice or warning so that yeah, I could sidestep some are, of the, yeah, the tragedy exactly, and mishap exactly. yeah. and the pain? Absolutely. Um, uh, or should we sidestep pain? You know, like pain, is, pain has its place. Then like, yeah, I can't tell him not to take that motorcycle with that crash because that's kind of... I survive, so all's well that ends well. Um, 
And who knows if that taught you something that you were able to use later. You know what I mean? Like, right, you never right. Know. Learn from your, your greatest enemies, your greatest teacher. Kind of. Your failures are the, the things you learn to your next success. Yeah. Um, well, these are all going in the new fact notebook. Um, <laughs> no, because, you know, they're, they're these things because they're true. And uh, I don't want to – I'm going to leave that kid alone. Just let him make his own choices. I, I'll look at him and just say, good luck. <laughs> what happens? Am I going to tell you anything? I'm not going to tell you anything, man, but good luck. This is sort Try of not like... to be too awful to other people. Try not to, you know, try not to see if... But I was that guy. I am that guy, you know, so... I don't know, I just wish him luck. So there's a Bill and Ted landing in the phone booth at the Circle K and seeing slightly <laughs> past Bill and Ted and telling them where they... You're like, oh, and this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. Yeah. Well, then that would be like, then you're like communicating some of the happy, good, clean fun that's going to happen. Right. You know, you have so much to look forward to and like, it's going to be awesome. Good luck. <laughs> well, oh, I, great. And that, then, then, then when that guy meets me, right, then you have that next meeting where the 85, your 80, the 85 kid gets to talk to the 2017 kid. Right. And he's like, so I've seen what you've done, and holy fuck, man. <laughs> I mean, this, I know, like, some of that great stuff that you talked about was really good, but some of that other stuff, you could have said something. <laughs> I mean, come on. Hey, come just on. Just a little bit? Just come on. A hint? A hint? Maybe? It's just the way it goes, man. <laughs> I, sh- why did- I wouldn't have made that sequel to Garfield in 2025. Why didn't you tell me not to do that? <laughs> Well, I hope uh, I hope I hope you're appreciating like what's going on because it's great. And when I mentioned like my the writers' room from one of the shows that I work on, I said, "Oh, I'm doing Tim Cannon's going to be on the podcast for John Wick 2. A bunch of the writers who are very cynical comedy guys were yeah. like, "I fucking can't wait for that movie." You know, <laughs> that's kind. So people are really excited about it, and it was fantastic. So oh, I'm glad you liked it, man. I love this picture. Love the role. I hope people like it. Well, thanks, man. It was great to see you right, and you uh, enjoy. Your, would, would you mind ending the podcast? But we we say enjoy your burrito. It's exactly what you were talking about. It means just enjoy your present. Enjoy uh, your present. Enjoy your burrito. I couldn't say it any better than that. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.